Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And for all the educators out there, you need to have your, your moments where you have to take care of yourself, self-care. Mm-hmm. And I don't, th- I, I can say looking back then, I was just doing way too much. You know, I was also coaching. I was doing graduate school. I, I, you know, I, I was wow. doing so much that now I wonder how I, how I made it. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. You know, during my 12-year teaching career, it seemed like there was always something throwing off my lesson plans, mindset, or goals. And when I began to burn out and tried to talk about it, all I heard was join the club, go for a walk, have a glass or three of wine. This is just the way it is. The current challenges you're facing, distance learning, new technologies, higher expectations, discipline issues, a personal crisis, a global pandemic, All of these challenges make your everyday life seem unmanageable. Until now. Teacher Burnout has been hacked and the book is here. In Hacking Teacher Burnout, I share my eight-step process that shines a light on burnout as an opportunity for growth and change. And in it, I empower you to become burned in. A fulfilled, happy, efficient, and effective teacher in the classroom and in life. You'll learn the steps you can take to take action steps based on your burnout type. Feel ready for the next challenge. Thrive, not just survive, personally and professionally. Feel ready for and learn how to grow through your burnout and so much more. Hacking Teacher Burnout is here and ready for you to order on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. So go check it out or go to hackingteacherburnout.com to learn more and place a bulk order for your staff. Take a deep breath because you're about ready to do something big for your burnout. Burn on. Hello there, Burned In Teachers, and welcome to episode 85 of the Burned In Teacher Podcast. This is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. I'm your host, Amber Harper, and I empower burned out teachers to believe that they deserve and can achieve a happier and more fulfilled career and life with my eight-step burned-in process. This episode today is for all of you burned and unbalanced and burned and over it teachers out there. And I know there are a lot of you. I know this not because of what I'm seeing on social media and what I'm, you know, hearing on the streets um, from my teacher friends, but because of what I'm learning from analyzing the results of my teacher burnout quiz. Thousands of you have taken the quiz and a whopping 51% are burned and unbalanced, which means you feel that there's too much to do and not enough time to do it, obviously. 38% of you who have taken the quiz have come out on the other end as burned and over it, which means that the negativity and apathy that you feel and are seeing that you're surrounded with has creeped in and you're becoming negative and apathetic yourself. 
Today's guest is going to talk about experiencing both of these types of burnout in his own life. Today, I am so excited to share with you my interview with teacher turned school administrator turned director of student affairs and fellow Education Podcast Network podcaster, Mr. Matthew Woods. What I love about our conversation is that although we talk about the current challenges that we're facing in education with COVID-19 and how it's causing so many teachers to throw in the towel, as he mentions in one part of the interview, he goes really deep into what caused him to become a workaholic in the first place as a young teacher and a conversation that changed his beliefs and his worthiness as a teacher who in fact is good for kids, despite what he was told when he first started teaching. We talk a lot of different things in this episode. We talk scarcity and abundance. We talk about resilience. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, we talk about workaholism. So for all of you out there in a stage three of burnout, I think this episode is really incredible for you because you're out there, you're validated, you know that things are hard, you know that you might be burning out a little bit, but you're taking action, you're working, you're doing all the things, but it might not be as intentional as it probably could be if you would step back and reflect and think about the outcomes of what it is that you're doing. That's another really important part of our conversation is he talks and he actually says, outcome is only there to help us to know how to move forward. So I want you to think about the things that you're doing and how they're affecting your personal life as well, how it's taking away or adding to the time that you could be spending with your family. As he talks about, was a huge part of him realizing that he had to change his work habits. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and switch over to my interview with Mr. Matthew Woods. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on the Burned and Teacher podcast today. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So you are part of the Education Podcast Network, and I'm so excited you're here that we have that connection with each other, but help the listeners and myself to get to know you a little bit better as an educator and as a person. Okay, thank you. Like I said, thank you again for having me. Um, Like you, I'm a part of the Education Podcast Network. For all the listeners out there, please check it out. There's a lot of great shows like the one I'm on right now. Um, But yeah, just a little bit about me. Um, I started off as a high school history teacher, um, taught world history too, also taught criminal justice. Um, From there, um, I took a plunge into the dark side, like we like to say in the education world, and and went into administration. you know, I've, I've been an assistant principal at the middle school level, also at the high school level. Um, I've been a middle school principal as well. And currently, I'm a, a director of uh, student support services in uh, Henry County um, Public Schools, working for a fantastic school system, a fantastic superintendent, and um, other great leaders that I'm just learning from daily and that are mentoring me to be just a better educator. So was it always your goal to to work in the admin building or a central office? No, <laughs> it was not. Um, to be honest with you, when I started my career in education, I always thought I would start off as a, as a high school teacher because I always wanted to teach at that level and then also coach because I coached basketball as well. Mm-hmm. And then I always thought I would take the plunge and go to higher ed mm-hmm. and be a, a professor. Um, and I probably should have put that in there too. I actually did go back 
to graduate school full-time for a little bit at the okay. University of Georgia. Shout out um, the dogs. And um, I, I'd started my doctoral work there, um, worked with a lot of fantastic uh, researchers, fantastic educators, um, doing a lot of great work. And I'll be honest, from there, um, it was a different type of work, um, a work that I respect, that I love. But my connection has always been with with kids. My connection is always being in the trenches. And I know I say that as an administrator, but I still I still feel like I'm in the trenches doing the work, working with teachers, other building leaders, um, kids, families daily, more so than when I was what I saw on the higher ed side. So. Um, so, yeah, so I, I wanted to, like I said, get back into it. But to really answer your initial question, administration, it just kind of came to me based on great mentors that I had, um, different folks that saw, I guess, leadership skills in me that I didn't see at the time mm -hmm. and really started to push me towards these different avenues. That's awesome. Did you always want to be a teacher? I always wanted, to, well... I end up wanting to be a teacher. Um, this is so embarrassing because I know she's going to hear it. Actually, <laughs> after my mom. Um, mm. My mom's an educator. I have a lot of folk, fam, family members, excuse me, that are educators. But um, I remember growing up, I, I de definitely didn't want to be a teacher or administrator, nothing, because I saw everything my mom went through, the behind the scenes stuff, mm -hmm. I tell people. Mm -hmm. And just a small blurb about it we were in Walmart one day, um, a young lady came up to her remembered my mom um was just you know just going on like hey you changed my life you did all this for me and my mom knows because uh, you know i think all educators know we unfortunately or fortunately have so much contact with so many different people we forget names mm -hmm. so she was like yes honey and and that was the code where i was like all right mom doesn't remember hey me. you <laughs> but it was it was so genuine and mm -hmm. i remember um God, I remember what I was wearing that day. I remember what aisle we were in. Wow. It really kind of struck me because I knew my mom did a lot for kids, a lot with people. But if she could have seen the look that that young lady gave her and how she was just talking about my mom, it really kind of stuck with me. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's not that bad. And I always tell people that was the spark that then led me to really kind of reevaluate what I wanted to do and get into education and so forth. Mm. Was your mom encouraging? She was. Yeah. She was. She was like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, the lesson plans. Um, you know, my mom, not to tell her age, but she remembers, for example, before there was like a set curriculum, like, mm. like your state standards here in Virginia. So she talks about the different times and comparing different things. Um, but she's always been supportive. She's, she's still supportive. She's still someone I lean on. Um, that I call when when I'm grappling with different ideas to get great advice, mm -hmm. and um, like she's just my hero. So mm, that's awesome. So what I love about interviewing administration is that I get to ask you this question because this is the Burned In Teacher Podcast where we talk mm -hmm. about burnout. Is I I want to I want to know if you've ever experienced burnout as a teacher, and then as an administrator. That's so really great do you have any stories as far as, you know, any, any experience with burnout as an, and how long did you teach? Forgive me. I forgot to ask you that. I was K-12 over teaching three years. Okay. So okay. I really kind of moved into administration very fast. Yes. Yeah. 
So in those three years, did you ever experience any of those challenges with burnout and wonder if this was for you or not? I, that's a great question for the burnout piece, not necessarily burnout where I was like, I'm, I'm just done with education, done being out of the classroom, because unfortunately you hear some administrators, if they're honest, they will say that, you know, the classroom burned me out. I'm ready for a different, I guess, challenge or so forth. For me, that wasn't the case. Um, for me, I felt like I, I overwork. Um, and I didn't know how to slow down. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I was the teacher. I was always in my classroom till uh, six o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd always stay after school. I would have my set times, you know, Tuesday, Thursdays, you can stay after for tutoring. If you come by, hey, Mr. Woods, I need help. Okay, I'm going to stay after. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, that was before, you know, my wife, before my son. So, you know, I had all this, this free time. Um, but I remember it's just not really healthy to have, you, you need your, and for all the educators out there, you need to have your, your moments where you have to take care of yourself, self-care. Mm-hmm. And I don't, th- I, I can say looking back then, I was just doing way too much. You know, I was also coaching. I was doing graduate school. I, I, you know, I, I was wow. doing so much that now I wonder how I, how I made it. Um, so I would say I was probably experiencing the, uh, the burnout of overworking, but just not realizing it at the time because I was just so caught up in what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, as I transitioned to administration, it became that um, on overdrive. Um, I would check, I would be the person checking emails one, two o'clock in the morning and oh. send you an email. Um, so all the, the, the former teachers I work with in my previous administration, I apologize if you saw an email <laughs> and say, I know this man is not expecting me to respond back at all. And I would tell them, but I just, I think I'd only get maybe five hours of sleep. I was, I was looking at data reports. I was, a teacher would send lesson plans. I need help with this. Um, and I would be the one just diving into it late. Um, doing house visits. I mean, I, I did so much then that I I could start feeling the burnout because I was just wearing myself down. Mm. Um, I wasn't taking very good care of myself. Um, you know, I had several of my friends like, hey, you, you really got to just step back, you know, a little bit. And did you I do was, anything with friends at all? I, I did. I did. I would, um, but I would still be in work mode. I'd still be thinking about stuff. Um, mm. I'd still, we could be hanging out and an email pop up on my phone and I'd still glance down to read it. Um, now I'm mad. I, like I said, I was the, <laughs> I am your stereotypical like workaholic. Yeah. And, but, the, but the thing about it though was it always came from passion. Um, That's what I was going to ask you. It sounds, it sounds to me like you just really enjoyed the work. Yeah. I mean, when I, you, when you were in that mode, kind of like blinders on, you know, nose the grindstone, like you just enjoyed it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like it. Do you have a family? I do. I do. Okay. I have a beautiful wife, uh, Kate, uh, beautiful son, um, just turned 16 months. Oh. Uh, it's a little over here, Hilton. That um, is such and, a fun age. And now I guess we have a, a, a quote unquote daughter. I have a golden doodle. Um, <laughs> who just ate part of my wall that I'm trying to get replaced. Oh. Uh, but so, yeah, so we, I got a family now and that's one of the things I've really prided myself on recently. Um, mm-hmm. So what I mean is, and my wife might disagree, 
if she listens to this, because um, she always gets on me about being on my phone, checking messages. Mm-hmm. But there's certain work that I just refuse to do now after hours. Um, and what I mean by that is I will now skim emails and be like, that that can wait. That That's not an emergency. Mm-hmm. Or I'll get a message from, you know, from a principal asking something or for somebody asking something, you know, that can wait. That's not something that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say that to say I've changed my schedule around. So now I actually get up about four, four thirty every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I love it because I have the time to myself. I walk my dog. I might go to the gym. I might do some writing, um, reading, but, but that good hour and a half before my wife wakes up, before I have to get my son, that's kind of my time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the extra time when I was, I guess, burning myself out, I've now kind of built it into a schedule to make it a little more manageable. That's awesome. Yeah, that early morning routine has been life-changing for me. I don't quite get up that early now, but when my daughter mm. um, Avery was born, I had to drive her to preschool and there and back was 20 minutes each way um, to go back to school to teach. So I would get up at 4.15 and get my workout in. It was mm. that important, you know, and it made a huge difference in the rest of my day. So I think that's really awesome that you've found, that you've made the time, not found the time. Um, to put yourself first for an hour and a half right at the beginning of the day. That's fantastic. So were they the reason that you started to set those boundaries then? Yes, they they really were. Um, I think, you know, for a lot of, especially educators out there, when you have a family, um, and, and especially when you have kids, mm-hmm. you know, like for me, I can really say my son has made me a better educator, but he's made me a just a better person, made me kind of reflect and think about what kind of legacy I live, leave for him. You know, I want him to be a hard worker. I want him to be passionate about whatever he strives to be. But at the same time, I want him to see that, you know, you do have to take breaks. You do have to, 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 to spend time with your loved ones and so forth. And he's, he's really at that age now that he looks like a sponge. Like I watch how much he watches me mm-hmm. or if I'll say something then how he'll try to repeat it. So I'm very mindful of my language, especially nowadays. And um, <laughs> we've but, all had those but, moments, right? Where we're yeah, like, oh, crap. <laughs> exactly. But What's he's very much like, he's just taking all those things in. And I, I think about then when I'm working with families, um, you know, in my capacity at work and I, and I just think about the impression they make on their kids. And then I always start thinking about what impression would make on my son. Like if I died tomorrow, God forbid, would he just remember me as the workaholic dad or would he remember the times I'd read books to him, I'd play with him a little bit and so forth. So I'm, I'm working on it, on this balance. I won't say I have it figured out yet, but I have, I feel like I've gotten a lot better. My wife's told me I've gotten a lot better and that's what I'm trying to do. Mm. That leads into another question that I have then. So as a teacher, then going into an administrator role, learning the lessons and being self-reflective like it sounds like you have been. Did you notice any of those tendencies and any teachers that were in your building? And did you have any of those conversations with them? Or, you know, did you see any teachers going through burnout? Because they were what I would call, based on my teacher burnout quiz, burned it on balance, just working, working, working all the time. Yeah, I, I did. There, there's one person who stands out um, very clear to me. It, um, this person knows I used to call them my mirror because when I would look at them, I would see myself then the, the same strides. And this person is a fantastic educator. 
um, hands down one of the best teachers I've come in contact with. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, they're, they're a rock star there, but they do so much that I remember I had the conversations with them. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pause, you gotta stop. But then it made me feel guilty because they say, well, I look how hard you're working. I'm, I'm trying to work like you. And I said, but I am not the, I was like, you see this now and you think I'm working overdrive. You should have seen me a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and for people around me that know, they know, like, you know, I remember I used to think it was funny. Folks would give me the nickname, Oh, workaholic, or he never sleeps. He does this, but that's really not a positive, uh, reflection that you want people to have of you. So I know for this person in particular and some other educators, you know, I pulled them in and just said, Hey, look, you know, find that, find that balance. This person in particular already had a family earlier in their career than I did. And I made sure to tell them like, make sure you spend quality time with them. Make sure they know you're there. Make sure you unplug from technology. Um, it, it can wait. So. Did you did you find yourself when you were in that work mode? Did you find yourself wearing that busy as a badge of honor? And this teacher that you talked to about it, did she or he? Did um did they sort of have that same like, well, if I'm not busy, then I'm lazy, or you know, I just want to be the last car in the parking lot. You know, do you ever have you ever seen any of that, or is that how you felt? I can speak for me. For me personally, it came from um, some personal things that happened. Um, mm -hmm. I actually had a person very early, um, I guess starting my career, told me I would be bad for kids. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't like the fact that, um, you know, like I had tattoos. Um, they didn't like the fact at the time, I think I still had hoop earrings. You know, I was a whole lot younger than, but they were just like, you don't fit the mold of what should be around kids. I, I re remember this pretty clearly. And I remember I actually thought about uh, dropping out of the education program where I was at. And um, God blessed me with a, a fantastic mentor, Dr. Marianne Norman. Dr. Norman, if you hear this, I tell you all the time you changed my life, you saved my life. Um, but she really kind of put that spark. And I remember her just saying to me like, well, you know, why would you think that, you know, there's different kids everywhere, you know, your, your heart's in the right place. You'll do good work. And it was, it was a very small, like two minute conversation, mm -hmm. but she really got me out of a very um, negative place. But I say that to say, I think a lot of the burnout that I had to work through um, and a lot of self doubt still comes from that, from that person. Um, so it was almost like you felt like you had to prove yourself. Yeah. Almost to yeah. yourself. Yeah, I used to have, um, I don't have it anymore though, but I used to have a little notebook. Um, and only some of my closest friends know that. And I used to keep a tally of everybody who, who doubted me, who thought like, you're not, you're not gonna be good enough. Um, you know, starting with that person. Like I, I used to write them down and that used to be my motivator. I would, times I would get tired um, working with kids that were very difficult and I, educators, we all know we have them. I would actually glance at that and that would kind of be like my caffeine or my spark to get my mind back out of it. Now I'm happy to say I've gotten rid of it. Now I don't have to use that because it's internalized. Um, but I just, that used to be 
what kind of got me over. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, it's still that kind of burns the passion for what I do, why I try to put myself out there to, to try to be the best educator I can and try to be very open-minded. And even when get hit with the difficult times, uh, still try to know that a lot of times we're kind of like the lifeline for a lot of these kids. Um, because I always think to myself, if I had to let that person deter me, where would I have been today? Yeah. So when I reached out to the EPN, um, the Education Podcast Network, and said, I'd love to have um, you guys on as, as some guest experts on the podcast, you said that you wanted to come on and talk about high expectations, too much paperwork, long hours. So wow. Now I can definitely tell why you wanted to come on and have this conversation because you had some like deep ingrained beliefs about what you needed to do to prove yourself as a good teacher. So help me to understand now, you know, teaching during COVID-19 quarantines, the pandemic, you said earlier when we were talking um, kind of in the pre-show, you said that you are teaching fully virtually. So you're working virtually. So are yeah, you- our school system right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how are you finding balance when you are on the computer doing your work all day from home from home or are you going into the district office we're we're going in yeah okay. we're going in right now okay. what are you seeing um in your teachers as far as their ability to find balance and to do this virtual teaching thing from home or are they going into the into the school to teach from their classrooms the, yeah they're currently going okay. in um to teach from the classrooms but at the at the moment, as we're recording, um, it's all virtual. Um, they're, they're amazing. We have fantastic, um, amazing uh, teachers and administrators in my division, um, always putting kids first. You know, I, I tell people that, uh, I tell people there's a reason why, on a small side note, there's a reason why I came back to the district where I'm at now, because I started my career here as a teacher. And okay. then, um, you know, I've ended up being able to transition back as an administrator. And I tell people there's a reason why I wanted to come back mm -hmm. because you can see how passionate folks are on what they're doing. Um, but I say that to say it is, it is very taxing and wearing on everybody. Um, I think, I think the biggest hurdle right now for everybody that I'm seeing is that everything we would say is like the norm in a school, mm -hmm. everything has had to be reevaluated and rethought. So it's very, it's very just taxing on your mind because things you would take for granted, like, oh, you know, every year we do this, or when kids are in school, if kids are in the, all right, at the end of class, secondary, your kids transition to their next class. Mm -hmm. You don't think much about it. You just think I got to be at my door, supervision. They'll go from point A. Well, now it's like, uh-oh, when kids come back, how are we doing this social distance? I mean, so, you know, just that kind of stuff that you're thinking about things that let's be honest, educators haven't had to think about these things mm -mm. Um, in decades, you know, almost maybe forever. So it's that kind of stuff that I'm seeing our teachers really kind of think through. Um, and, and they're, they're meeting the, they're meeting the challenge. They're, they're stepping up because it's causing us to um, unpack certain beliefs that we held saying teaching and education should be this way. So we're finding positives within all of this chaos, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a challenge. 
How do you, as an administrator, when you say, this has always perplexed me, both when I was in the classroom and now reading books and seeing posts on social media about putting kids first, how do you find that balance as an administrator with saying, we put kids first, you know, we do what's best for the kids, but we also need to do what's best for you. For like you said earlier, you have to be home with your family. How do you, how have you found that you've helped teachers to find that balance by, you know, doing what's best for kids and then also doing what's best for them in their personal life as well? A lot of it, I think, comes from the relationships. Mm -hmm. um, now more than ever, having that rapport with people, um, listening to people, hearing them out, hearing what are some of the things, the challenges they're going through. Um, I guess differentiating. Uh, I know that's our buzzword in education, but you, we're now really kind of differentiating the way we're, we're interacting with staff mm -hmm. so then they can differentiate to interact with students because a lot of us have been displaced and um, you know things happen and so forth. So I think that's, that is like the biggest key that I've seen. Um, I've seen a lot more very deep, um, passionate conversations, not just myself working in my capacity with administrators and, and teachers and different groups and so forth and counselors, but even my colleagues as well. You're seeing a lot of folks um, be more receptive to listening to different people, not saying that that isn't always the case, but now I feel like everybody's kind of starting at square one. Mm. Um, there's really no super experts out there because none of us have went through anything like this. Everybody is really kind of, like I said, starting on the same page. And this one person in particular who I will not say their name on here, but they'll probably know I'm talking about because they know I think the world of them. They had a conversation with me where they just said, you know, in light of all this, I'm intentionally doing more listening than talking. Mm. And, and it really kind of like, huh. And it, it just stuck with me because this person has a wealth of knowledge. They've done a lot of amazing things, but they're really stepping back because the technology piece isn't their strong suit. So they are intentionally putting themselves in spaces. And I would actually use the word being very vulnerable, telling people, Hey, I got the, the the logistics of this stuff but you know i'm really leaning on you because if you're telling me you understand these tablets and these devices mm -hmm. i'm going to follow your lead to help us get this out mm -hmm. and i think that was just very powerful for me because it rubbed off on me and made me kind of reflect and say what are the things that with everything going on that i know i'm not expert at or i'm not even average at i really need to lean on my colleagues and these other people to help me grow so we can all grow together. Mm. So that really leads into a question that I have also about, you know, something that you said you really wanted to touch on today was resilience and planning ahead. Yeah. So how have you seen resilience in your current position or, you know, as a, a building principal or, you know, as a teacher, what is the best demonstration of resilience that you've that you've come across or how do you feel like resilience is a really important important part of what we do now teaching virtually during the pandemic um resilience i can say the people that i work with um i've not one person has just said i have no idea i like screw it i'm just throwing the tile in we can't figure this out 
everyone has said like, what can we do? Mm -hmm. um, everybody. Um, and I, and I want to emphasize that because I know some of my counterparts in other places, I've heard them say, Hey man, folks are just throwing the tile in, they're waving the white flag. They're like, I don't know what to do. I can tell you that the people I'm blessed to work with, everybody is constantly just like, okay, I don't have all the answers, but I, but I'm trying. And I think that's the biggest thing, especially now with, with COVID, mm -hmm. like everyone just has to keep trying. Like no one, no one has been through this before. Um, hopefully by the time of vaccine, you know, everything kind of comes back to a little bit more normal. We'll, we'll be able to then reflect and say, okay, this was working here. Uh, this didn't work. You know, now we have the literature and the research and so forth to grow. But I think the biggest thing right now is we all just have to keep constantly reflect and keep constantly thinking about, okay, th did this work? Okay. It didn't work. Okay. Let's try this. Uh, we went left. Okay. Now tomorrow we'll go right. Um, we want North. All right. Next time we'll go South, you know, just constantly think about what path we're taking and think about the things that, which I was stressing in my previous role as when I was still a, um, a middle school principal on the onslaught of all of this, telling people really reflect on what is working. Mm -hmm. Like there are some things that are working right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the big ones now is, and I was seeing a, a blog that a couple of teachers were posting about um, that popped up on Twitter. You know, Twitter is I think a, a good online professional development for everybody. You always find something. Mm -hmm. But they talked about the number of kids that normally would be struggling, you know, with bullying, um, different different things going on, that they're seeing these kids excel with this virtual learning. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things, you know, and like I said, it was a very interesting read. It was very small to the point, but they were just kind of talking about, hmm, I wonder moving forward as things kind of settle back down, what are we going to do with these kids that they say, Hey, this worked for me. I mean, you know, for me, I was a very old school stickler. You need to be in my classroom every day. That's the best way you can learn. I remember I can still think of kids. I'd be like, I haven't seen you in my class a couple of days. What's going on? Oh, Mr. Woods, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. Well, now I kind of think, Hey, if you're doing your work and you're still touching base with me, mm -hmm. You might, I might really need to kind of adjust my lens on that. And I think that like, so I say that to say long winded response, that's like one kind of positive thing come out of it. Mm -hmm. So those type of things, I think will make all of us very, very resilient because it'll make us better educators and it'll make us um, think outside the box and think about how we're reaching those group of kids that might have been left out beforehand. Mm -hmm. I really love that because especially when you're thinking about, you know, how much time you're putting in to your, your days and weeks of teaching, whether it's virtual or physical, if it's a normal school year, really thinking about reflecting on, okay, what went well, what didn't go well, how am I going to bounce back from that, learn a lesson, not beat myself up about it and then move on. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so how does another thing that you really wanted to talk about, and this really goes well with your high expectations, you being a high achiever, hard worker, paperwork, that kind of thing is how does planning ahead, what does that look like for Matt Woods? Um, and how has that helped you to really kind of tone down that workaholic <laughs> that lives inside you that may sometimes try to rear its ugly head? Um, what do you do to plan ahead and, and what have you seen that has worked really well for teachers to help them to be able to turn it off and to live their lives outside of school. 
planning ahead, I tell people, um, people that, you know, reach out to me, uh, you know, to, I guess to mentor, you know, if they're coming through admin or teaching or so forth or ask questions, I tell them the key, the key thing I've found is planning. Um, when I was in the classroom, I was a teacher who would write out lesson plans and mark all over them and think because I'm very scatterbrained. Um, I am very like, Ooh, this great idea. I'm gonna run with this. So I'm the type of person that I have to have that map. Even if I'm going to take a, I know I'm going to take 20 detours. I'm supposed to be there. That map says I'm gonna get there in three hours. I'm probably gonna get there in 16. I'm going to get there, but look at all this cool stuff I did along the way. But I need that map just to keep me, keep me centered. Um, for administration, it's, it's the same way. Um, I have a planner. Um, I keep a reminder app on my phone. Um, I have different color codes. This is so embarrassing. People, I have different color codes where I kind of say like, oops, my boss said I need X, Y, and Z done. But then down here, here are some lingering projects. And then down here, here are some things that I can get to in the next couple of weeks. Um, I love it. I think that's fantastic. I, yeah, I plan. Um, I have another planner, which is like my monthly planner. And that's like my big ideas for things that that come up in my various roles. So as a building leader, there were certain things where I'm like, hey, this month, we're really gonna, we're really gonna look at this discipline data. Mm -hmm. So before I would even go into the meetings, uh, my administration APs didn't know, I would have, I actually already had pulled the data, looked at it, so forth. But then how you get the buy-in, I go to them and say, okay, now we need to pull this data. So I need you to pull this and I need you to look at it and then come back to me. Um, but I would look at that because I, the thing was, I always try to empower people around me. Mm -hmm. So then if they take the lead on something, I would be like, oh yeah, yeah, your idea, great. Uh, even though a month ago, I might've already looked at the data and I already knew what it was going to say. Mm -hmm. And I tried to do that with the teachers I worked with too. And then even in my new role, I'm really very intentional. I have to do a lot with law and policy. So uh, my, my uh, mentor, my current mentor now, he gave me, uh, a great law and policy book. And he's like, Hey, I need, really need you to look at this and, and beef up on it. And the moment he gave it to me, what my wife knows that night I'm in bed, just reading through like, Hey, I got, I got to get through this. I got to get through. So that was something that I've planned out the last few months. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure I'm knocking out certain chapters to beef up on it and mm -hmm. follow up with him with five questions. So as we wrap up tonight, what would you tell first, second, third year teacher, Mr. Woods, about his high expectations for himself and the conversations that that tally that gosh, that just gave me goosebumps and almost made me emotional when you said that you kept a tally of all the people that didn't believe in you. What would you tell that person today based on everything you've learned and everything you've experienced as a teacher and administrator and now at the district level to support mm -hmm. him? I would just tell him, um, man, hey, you got me thinking about uh, the real young woods. Uh, mm -hmm. I would just tell him to just keep his head up, stay positive, um, keep smiling like he's always doing, um, keep up the good work, you know, even with some of the, um, you know, the, the thunderstorms you're going to experience um, as you're navigate, navigating different things. But, you know, it's, it's, it's all a blessing. Um, it's all God leading you where you need to be. 
and just just take it in stride. Um, if there is one thing I tell him to change, is it's okay to it's okay to enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to just stop and just be very appreciative and thankful uh, of the work that you're doing. Um, instead of then it comes to you after the fact. It's it's nice to just enjoy the moment and just just think about the kids you're working with, the amazing educators. Um, God, I've had the the opportunity to meet so many amazing educators and folks that I guess wish like one of the big things to tell myself then to validate is some of the folks I've met have now become superstars. Mm-hmm. And and I could just feel things around that person. I was like, man, I, they just, man, I, I'm getting this great vibe about them. But now knowing what I know, I would just can tell you, tell him to continue. You know, when you see that spark, continue to be a sponge, man. Ask a lot of questions. For all the people out there too, that the young first, second, third year teacher, when I'd ask you a gazillion questions, I am sorry, but not really sorry because I did soak it up and I still continue to ask a bunch of questions and drive people crazy, but I'm just constantly learning and constantly trying to grow as an educator. It's like your son, right? You just want to soak up anything that's oh, yeah. around you, right? You don't want to be the yeah. smartest person in the room. You're in the wrong room. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I always love to get these perspectives from, you know, from administrators who have been, like you said, in the trenches and have gained these different perspectives and being able to reflect on yourself as a teacher, as a, as an administrator. And this is really helpful for, for some teachers who have not heard this side of the coin, you know, this side of teaching, this side of education, um, to be able to hear a principal's reflection on his journey. So thank you so much for being here today. Gosh, thank you for having me. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of Burned In Teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on.